You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with Sirius XM's Listen Next program presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with Sirius XM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. In this episode, the topic of sexual abuse comes up. And although this is not the focal point of the conversation, I'd love it if you take good care of yourself as you listen. I'm Vienna Farron, a licensed marriage and family therapist. I've spent over 25,000 hours working with individuals and couples and families, which has given me a front row seat to our capacity for change, no matter how challenging a story might be. This is a show where I speak with anonymous guests every week about challenges they're facing. We're strangers up until the point we sit down with one another. And I have to say, it's actually really challenging. It's really hard for me to go in without much information or having a previous relationship with them. Every time I sit down with a guest, I'm hearing their story for the first time. I'm trying to create a sense of safety for them and create some type of connection for us. And I'm also wanting us to accomplish something without forcing it or leading them to a particular outcome. We're giving you real conversations to see what can actually be accomplished in a short amount of time. Even though what you're listening to in the show is not how I work with my actual clients, it's pretty incredible what a one-off conversation with someone you don't know can lead you to. In fact, I think it's quite remarkable. I'm the author of the national best-selling book, The Origins of You, which explores how to break family patterns so you can liberate the way you live and love and create the life and relationships you've always wanted. What I've found time and time again in all of my work is that the unwanted patterns in our adult lives are really just unresolved pain from the past trying to grab for our attention. If we can be brave enough to face our patterns, a lot of beautiful healing work can happen. That's why this show is named This Keeps Happening, because who hasn't said that once or twice before to themselves? I hope what you hear today helps you as you go through your own journey. I hope someone's story holds up a mirror for you and reflects something back to you about yourself or someone you love. Because sometimes learning through other people's stories is a beautiful invitation to learn about our own. Our guests are anonymous. Names and other personally identifiable details within their stories may be changed or excluded. Conversations with participants are limited consultations. This podcast is not a substitute for therapy, medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. It is for informational purposes only. In today's episode, I speak with Charlotte. That's her alias. She's gone through a lot of transition in the last six months, becoming a mother and finding out that her husband's brothers were involved in molesting a family member. She's eager to set new boundaries with her partner's family, but what she keeps bumping up against is rage and resentment, an experience that's familiar once we do a little digging. When Charlotte first arrived, she was upbeat and ready to find a solution. She was focused on her partner and his family and was mindful and attentive to their experiences, but I couldn't find her and her experience, and all the change she was navigating. For a long time, Charlotte had to hide her authentic self, an act that built up rage and resentment. Although she's initially focused on boundary setting in our conversation, 
we pivot towards her fears of having to exist alone in the world. What will happen if she fully reveals herself instead of trying to control her partner? As you listen to this conversation, I'd love for you to reflect on where in your life you're not fully revealed and what you're trying to protect by hiding. So big changes. Yeah, lots of big changes in my life. Yeah. What stands out right now when you think about the big changes in the last six or so months? The biggest are I had a baby. Mm-hmm. Um, my father became a quadriplegic. Mm-hmm. Um, and then two brothers-in-law had pretty severe mental health crises and one was suicidal and one is kind of rejecting medicine and help. Um, So it's been a lot on both sides of my partner's family and my family and and then trying to figure out how to become our own new family with our baby. Yeah. Where do you feel yourself uh, struggling the most or what feels sort of top of mind for you right now? I would say the biggest are trying to navigate my partner's family Mm -hmm. because with finding out about these mental health issues, we also learned about um, two of these brothers having molested someone in their past. Mm -hmm. And so having learned that right as we had a baby made a big shift in like my feelings of how to interact with them. And so... Um, that's been the biggest thing. And then in the summers is when we usually see them. And so we're kind of gearing up to see them. And it's starting to create some of that anxiety of like, how are we going to set our boundaries? What are our rules around them now? Like, are we ever going to address this with them that we know this? Um, Like, they have no idea that we know still. And then I think it's just overall, how do we set these boundaries and become our own unit? Because it's been so hard for my husband to separate from his family. So do you and your partner feel pretty aligned with the boundaries? How do the conversations go so far? I can just imagine, right, with your, you know, this is your first child, yeah? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right, like new to mamahood and um, just mama bear out, you know, in full protection mode. And yeah, curious how those conversations are going because I'm sure this is really shocking news um, for you. Was it shocking for your partner as well? Yes. Okay. It was really interesting because I felt like I learned about this before my partner did. Okay. And so I was holding the information because I really didn't feel like my husband would take it well if I was the messenger Mm -hmm. of it. I felt like we were in kind of um, a tough spot in our relationship where he felt me kind of distancing myself from his family and creating my own boundaries in the past few years, which has been challenging for him because he is so open and giving to my family. And um, so it's been hard for him to navigate my walls, I guess, mm-hmm. or my my boundaries and my separation of them. And over time, it's gotten like more clear of where I want or how I want to engage, I guess. And um, so I didn't know how to tell him. I didn't want to tell him. I didn't want to be the one to tell him, really. And then it was, my baby was born. The next day, my dad goes into emergency care. Um, and then the next day, his a brother has a suicide attempt. Mm-hmm. And it was in that day of the suicide and 
trying to take care of him and make sure like he doesn't actually take his life. And then he was also threatening to hurt anyone that came. And when his parents showed up at his house, he was really worried that like they were going to be killed by hit the brother. And so it was a wave of emotions in that day. Mm -hmm. And then we started talking about, do we think that his brother has had some sort of abuse in the past? Like, where is this coming from? And that kind of opened up the doors to talking about the, the um, him being a sexual predator, mm-hmm. you know, where I said, there's more to this that I've learned. And so then I told my partner about that brother and then the other brother. And so then my husband's feelings were like a roller coaster as well, where he went from wanting to save his brother to mm-hmm. like being so angry at his brother to, you know, having to tell his parents then about it. How did you come into the information? Um, through the aunt okay. whose child it happened to. Okay. And she felt compelled to share that with you? Yeah, in a way, because we had been talking a lot about like family dynamics mm-hmm. and she had just been telling me, oh, there's just so much more to the story. There's more to the story. And she had been saying this for years. There was a lot of emotion yeah. behind it for a long time because she's known for a few years now. And they, as their family, had to decide to set their own boundaries and have stopped in- interacting with mm-hmm. his family. Um it's been vague of like, oh, sorry, we can't make it to that wedding because we have this, we have this. And um, so they've been trying to create their own way of avoiding. And then she told me and she felt so guilty telling me. And I was like, I can hold it. I can work around this. You know, I have a therapist that I can work with as well. So then she told me and it was okay. It was okay for me to hear it and hold it. And then the worries were around, how do we tell my partner? Mm-hmm. How do we tell the family? Yeah. Um, and we still have not gotten to yeah. telling the whole family. So I feel like there's just family secrets being held in pockets, which I really don't like. Yeah. What about the secrets is hard, challenging for you? I think it's just all the hiding um, and that it's been going on for so long and it's hide this piece of information from this person, hide it from this person. We can't tell this person. And I get like the family, there has been mental health issues that make it hard to tell someone Mm -hmm. because they're like, I don't want this to be what sends them over the top. Um, There's been like different rules throughout it all. Mm -hmm. Um, I think the hardest thing is if we are to see the family and be around the family, we have to be very clear Mm -hmm. with how we present our rules or in our boundaries. Yeah. There can be so much protecting of other people. And I think when you have People who struggle with mental health challenges, which obviously you're seeing sort of in motion quite a bit. We don't know, is this information, is confronting this piece of information, what is that going to do? How would parents feel? What's going to change, right? There's a lot of juggling that happens there. And, you know, hiding is connected to protection, right? Mm -hmm. When we hide, we are attempting to protect someone Mm -hmm. from something, right? Whether it's self, whether it's other. And it sounds like there's a lot of moving pieces in this. And at the core is you and your family, you, your partner, and your baby. And I think that focus of what does it look like for us to move through this world, right? To move through these relationships in a way where we feel protected and safe, and maybe it feels a little bit different for you because it's your partner's family. Um, you're close with your family, mm-hmm. I was gathering, because it sounds like he's very connected yeah. to your family, but you've had a bit more of a wall up with his. But yeah, I, I can imagine for him that this is really complex, really layered, right? I, I love these people and I also am 
outraged or angry or, right, there's like the full range of emotion. But if we pull back into what does protection for us look like, I'm curious if you have had any of those conversations yet or if there does feel like a joint stance that the two of you are taking. This has been, I think, our most challenging place Mm -hmm. as a couple because um, his role in his family has been like the mother. He is the other parent. They lost their mom when they were young in a very tragic accident. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if it was since that accident or before that accident. And we've done work with a different um, therapist to try and be like, where is this need to care for everyone coming from? Mm -hmm. Did it come before or after? Or is it so deeply in you? And That is the hard part is my husband has played a parenting role. And I had asked him, like, do you feel like your dad relies on you to take on that role? Or do you think you're just stepping up and doing it? And his response was, well, that's just what you do in families. You Mm -hmm. just help out. It's just different from what your family did. Your family, your mom did everything for you. And I was like, yes, we have very different families. And I had a stay-at-home mom who did everything for us. And our job was to do well in school, Mm -hmm. you know. And in their family, it was just very different. But at the same time, there's a piece from my lens that I see has put too much of responsibility on him Mm -hmm. since he was little. He's told me stories of like he, his younger siblings didn't have a bed, so he went and put together a bunk bed for them. And to me, that like holds a lot of meaning in his role. Mm -hmm. And he was like, but yeah, that's just what you do. Like my dad was busy and I saw that, so I did that. And I was like, but you were also the one that was like cooking for everyone and you're not even the oldest sibling. You just took that on. And he was like, well, yeah, because my older sibling wasn't going to, I had to. Mm -hmm. And so it's continued to happen throughout my whole time knowing him is where it's him his stepmom and his dad. And I think a hard piece for me right now is that his dad doesn't really listen to the voice of his wife. Mm -hmm. And so then when we're all together, it's just the dad's voice that matters. And then it's everyone else kind of calming him down. And then it's my husband that's working to be the peacemaker and... Um, kind of manage everyone's feelings in those scenarios. And that's a piece I think that is the hardest for me right now is managing this relationship with his father. Where are your feelings in all of it? My feelings or what I wish would happen or... (sighs) Well, sure, I'm curious about that too, but I think... I can hear you. You present really clear, grounded as you talk about what's going on. And you see your partner, I think, um, really clearly. You know, I think that you're really attuned to what his life has been and how he grew up and the losses and the roles that he has stepped into, which is incredible to have a partner like you who can see all of that. Um, And I can hear this part that's like, yeah, he needs to step out of managing everybody's feelings and being the peacekeeper and, you know, caretaking all, which might be true. Um, And... I kind of lose you in that a bit. Like, where where are you? There's a lot of things that have shifted that I imagine have emotional charge to it for you, too. And I can feel you sort of in his experience a bit. And I think that happens in relationships, right? It's like, oh, gosh, this is your family. You're finding this out, you know, all those layers. But you're also finding this out. And even though you've held it for a little bit longer than he has, I'm curious where your expression of emotion is, you know, how you feel about finding this out, what it's like. You've known these people 
you've known them before this information. Yeah. Well, maybe you've cared about them. I don't know if you've ever loved them, but you've known them. Right? Now you have a little baby in the world, right? And I imagine you're thinking about how all of this intersects with time spent. And so, yeah, I want to find you in this because I think you put yourself aside and you put him forward. Mm-hmm. And I'd love to bring you right there next to him too. make a little bit of space for what your emotional experience is of finding out this information, sharing how you feel with him and not just the other way around. Um, yeah, I think learning about it first, it was so much sadness for the victim yeah. And then so much sadness for him. And it was interesting to um, how I received the information. And then when I told my husband, I felt like the way he was processing it was very similar to me, where first it was about the victim and then being so sorry that I had to hold this information for so long without being able to share it. And um, and then it was open to sharing my fears and worries about our child, yeah. you know, like this is our baby that we have to protect now. And he was very like, yes, of course we have to, this is our child we have to protect. But the idea of protecting this child is so different from both of our ends. Mm-hmm. There was this idea of like, oh, well, my sibling will come and stay with us in the cabin and we have room for them. And I was like, wait, no, I don't want to be under the same roof ever with our child there, you know? And I don't want them to hold our child. And I think that was surprising for him Mm -hmm. because I think for him, he would have been like, it's okay for them to hold while we're there. And Mm -hmm. I was like, I just don't want any access. Yeah. And I think this is the piece of navigating and that feels hard and scary Mm -hmm. because I think it shows up more as resentment towards either him or towards his family. And those were like previous feelings that he he was having. And he didn't know how to bring it up to me other than being like, you haven't called my parents in a while. And I was like, well, I haven't called my parents in a while. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You know, I'm like, it's not them or not. I'm just not good at reaching out the same way you are. Um, And so I feel like he's gauging me and I'm having more resentment or buildup, which is so much harder for him. Mm -hmm. And then it's hard for me because I end up resenting him. Mm -hmm. There's been a lot of resentful and rage and raging feelings towards my partner throughout the past year, Mm -hmm. throughout like my pregnancy and before the pregnancy, it was a lot of fertility treatment Mm -hmm. and feeling alone through so much of it. And also like we didn't know how to do it with each other. And, you know, I would tell him, I feel so alone. I, and I would, my therapist was like, do you ever practice whale crying? (laughs) And and he was like, oh, we're well versed in it. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And then also he would say to me like, you have to know I've never been here either. And so I'm learning how to show up for you as well. He's fantastic in that way and being my rock and being the support. He's so good at it for everyone. At the same time, there's so little communication. And I think it's also because there was no communication about feelings in their family, but also not in my family. And I've had to learn to do that. Okay, we're going to take a short break. We'll be right back. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. 
Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Isa as host Isa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. When the boundaries are being communicated, um, what you want and what is protective for you confronts a person with loss. Mm-hmm. And I imagine on some level for your partner, having already lost a mother um, into this tragic accident that you had shared about earlier, um, I imagine there's something there around, oh gosh, right, if my relationship changes with my family, if there are boundaries, if there are things that cannot be permitted, whether we share this information with them or not, there's loss that's confronted, right? Our relationship has to shift, even if it's already a complicated one, bringing you into our home, letting you stay over, holding our baby, right? These are things that are off limits. Yeah. And what is going to change about our relationship when those things are off limits? Maybe something. Mm-hmm. And is that then something that gets internalized as the fear of additional loss within a family system? Right. Mm-hmm. And so there might be this part of him right, that is like pushing against that, um, trying to take care of everybody else's emotions and feelings, and then maybe running out of capacity a little bit for you. And I hear you say that he's this great rock for you, but also misses the mark when it comes to connection, intimacy, closeness. And it seems like the resentment that's been building for you is if you put it into one clear sentence, what would you say? I'm resentful because... His lack of availability to me. Yeah. Yeah. And you're unavailable to me because... You're overextending yourself to everyone else. Mm -hmm. So what's familiar about that for you? Not even just with him, right? But like the experience of someone being overextended elsewhere, someone being preoccupied elsewhere, someone prioritizing other things elsewhere, and then there being you. Right. Someone who is craving for connection, availability, closeness, intimacy, prioritization. What about that feels familiar to you? A big piece of it is that is also how I was raised to present to people. Say more. Um, growing up religious, in our religion, it was this facade of perfection, of cheerfulness, of joy and hiding your problems Mm -hmm. to show up for everyone else because you were a steward to everyone else. Um, And since leaving that religion, it was, for me, a lot of mindful work that Mm -hmm. I had to do um, to start feeling my feelings and to start expressing my feelings and to just be more real with myself. And so there's a piece of it where I feel like I've done all this work and then I found this partner who was not within the religion and who is amazing. Maybe I chose him because he presents in such a way that's so familiar. But he is so kind and so loving and so incredible but then so depleted in the times that I feel like I need him. Yeah. And it's hard for him to hear that because I know he thinks he's giving his 200% all the time. And when he's around me, he just wants to shut down, be on his phone. He needs a lot of words of praise. Mm -hmm. I did not grow up that way. It's so hard for me other than like to children where it's like, great job walking so safely, you know? Um, (laughs) But it's with him, there's just so much 
expectation, which is also probably the way I was raised with a lot of expectations on me that I would just like do it and get it and be independent. Mm -hmm. And so I expect that from him as well. But then there's a disconnect in where it's happening or how it's happening. When did you leave the religion? Um, Over 12 years ago. Okay. You know, what you described about having to hide the problems, present perfectly, be the steward for others, right? It's like, it's very hard to be and feel known when you're doing that, right? Because you're presenting something that is disconnected from self. Yeah. And when you exist that way through childhood and your teen years and your young adult and 20, right? It's like, you know, for so long, right? You're having to hide the authenticity of self, right? You're having to shape shift it and put it into this perfect little box with the bow and present. Uh It's interesting to hear that in your history, which, you know, I think a lot of folks can whether it's religion or something else can find themselves in that but there's an intensity around what you're describing right and this part that aches to be seen to be known to for someone to actually be available for your truest self to be available to the range of your emotion right to not just be available when you are of service yeah you feel like you are in service a lot, even though you have left. You are of service, even in the way that you are kind of sharing this story as, you know, you're thinking about him, you're thinking about his family, you're thinking about, okay, how do we navigate and do all of these things? And it, it feel like in service of um, this system, mm-hmm. how is that landing for you? Yeah. And I think I keep, my feelings keep going towards, I need to extend him more grace. Yeah. I need to extend, like, how can I shift myself to create more space and grace for him? Yeah. Which is interesting because I feel like I've done a lot of work to be able to have big feelings and Mm -hmm. express my big feelings and to be clear Yet at the same time, I need to minimize that to give him more space. Yeah. Which I think maybe is because he has not done the work to do it himself. And so it keeps going back to him of like, how can I minimize myself Mm -hmm. to do that? But then it comes out as rage. Rage, resentment, Mm -hmm. right? Like you said before. And undoubtedly, I think you have made massive changes and shifts in your life in the, probably the last 12 years. Incredible. And it really strikes me in this conversation how in service you still are for him. Hmm. And that grace is beautiful. In fact, we need more of it. Most people need more of it, right? And so it's beautiful that that is something that you care about and connect to, but your authentic expression of the full range of emotion, not needing to hide any part of yourself, right? That piece needs opening because what happens is you close it or you turn it down and then it comes out in this big way later. Mm -hmm. And that's the part, right? It's like, I want to be known. I want to be seen. I want to be heard. I want to be understood. I want to be connected to. I want you to be available for my authentic expression of emotion when I am feeling it. But I don't trust that you can do that because you're overextended elsewhere, because you don't have the capacity, because you're doing it for others. And then when it's with me, you have to disconnect and that's the way that you recover or um, regenerate in Mm -hmm. some way. Mm -hmm. And you don't want that. You don't want that. And like you said, later, 
usually there's some type of an eruption uh, associated with it. Um, And then it all just kind of comes pouring out and it's not, well, usually a rage expression is not a useful uh, relational tactic, um, even though you might get some stuff out when it happens. I know I saw your face and kind of like something was percolating up there and thinking about of of the continuation of service in this dynamic and what part of you is actually yearning for, wailing for, aching for something here. And if he were in here with us, is there anything that you think would be surprising to him? No. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think he's very familiar with mm-hmm. this. He's very familiar with my need for self-care, mm-hmm. my need for therapy, my need to bring friends in, to have community. Um, he's very aware of what like charges me mm-hmm. and what fills me. And he's also very aware of what can be very frustrating to me. Mm-hmm. And that's kind of where the pattern is. Is like we know the things. I see it very clearly where men, they just need some physical intimacy and they are recharged. And for me, I'm like, I cannot be physically intimate with you until we've like had a deep conversation. Mm-hmm. We've cuddled. You've looked at me in my eyes. You validated me. Now let's get into it, you know? Mm-hmm. And he still doesn't get that piece. Like he wants to skip all of that. And I'm like, but you know me. Mm-hmm. Um And that's kind of where I feel like we keep going in cycles. We talked recently even about his family, and he was like, I know my dad is tricky, and you've pulled back a lot. And there's like, you know, it feels kind of critical, like validating, but also critical. Like, Mm -hmm. you've pulled back, and I still wish you would do this. Does he want you to have different boundaries? Does he want you to be more engaged with his family post-learning all of this? He hasn't said. You know, he hasn't said what he wants. I think there's a piece of it where I feel like what I want is to have boundaries with his father so that he is not being relied on as much as a parent figure in this whole dynamic. And I think that would be the biggest loss for my Mm -hmm. husband is feeling like he is pulled back from his father. Mm -hmm. But that is where I yearn for his presence to be with the father to our family versus the father to his siblings. Yeah. What you just said is your attempt at controlling something. Yes. Yeah. And I know this. That can't work. Exactly. That can't work, right? Because it's this masterminded way of trying to help support your partner. And whether he's aware of it or not, that internal system can sniff that out. Mm-hmm. Right. Yes. Right. You're like, this is my boundary, but it's not. It is, but it's not. Right. It's like I'm setting this so that I can finally get you to over pull here. away and get over here. Yes. Yeah. And I know that, and he knows this. Mm-hmm. You know, he and I felt like he saw me so clearly. He was talking to our baby, and was like, "Oh, does your mom just want to control every single?" <laughs> And I just started laughing where I was like, oh, my gosh, I feel so seen. Like, (laughs) you get it. Mm -hmm. And I know I need to let go of that need to control. How do I do it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I love that you guys can have a little bit of humor around it. Um, And, yeah, to create the space right, to actually have your own authentic boundary. It's not yours when you're trying to control someone else, Mm. right? To actually connect with what your actual boundaries are is 
the request. And it might actually look the same, right? Your authentic boundary may actually be that you want space from his dad. Maybe, maybe not, right? But it's the energy behind it. It's the motivation behind it. Because when your motivation is, this is the way that I'm going to get you away, yeah, it can't work like that. It can't work. There's going to always be resistance to that. Yeah. People don't like to be controlled. People have yes. to find their own way. And there's that's where the grace is, right? Is like creating the space for your partner to find his path and how he is going to relate to these people in his life slightly differently, maybe, right? But for you to actually connect with self, you're still trying to create the outcome for yourself through finding these really clever ways of controlling the situation. Yeah. What feels hard about putting that down for you? Because you're like, I know it. I see it. I, 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 yep, <laughs> you, I, I'm aware of it. Yes, you peeled it all back. Uh-huh. Um, what feels hard? Yeah. What feels challenging about putting the control down? Oh, God. All of it. I think, like my husband said, I love the control. No, but what's the fear? If I put the control down, what I am so afraid might happen is, what am I afraid of? I don't know if it's fully this, but I feel like a lot of it is passing things down to our child. I'm afraid of trauma being passed down. That's like a big thing where he hasn't dealt with this accident. I know what trauma can do and it will just come up and like be passed on. And I'm very afraid of that being passed on to our child. I'm very afraid of these toxic masculine ideas being passed on to our child. I'm going to have you put that aside. And just go back to me. Yeah. Quick learner. <laughs> <laughs> right? Because now we're of service to your child, which, mm-hmm. listen, I'm all for, of course, but I'm going to put your child aside. I'm going to put him aside. And we're going to come right back to you. What you are afraid of if you don't control this for you. I really think it's that I will have really negative and angry feelings towards his family, bigger than I have now. Mm -hmm. That, you know, being around them beyond a week, I will end up hating them. Okay. And if I hate your family, what will happen is? We will have a big divide between us. Yeah. And if we are disconnected, then what I'm afraid of is? I'll be alone. Hmm. Yeah. But there's also this fear. Hold there. Okay. Yeah, yeah. Just hold there and actually, like, allow. If you want to close your eyes, you can. Whatever feels good for you. Just connect to being alone. Maybe there's loneliness attached to it. Maybe there's sadness there. Just connect to it. If I don't control you... I am so fearful that I will ultimately be alone. If I put down controlling you, I might have to exist in the world by myself. What do you notice in your body? Just tightness in my chest. Okay. You bring a hand to your chest if that feels good. Put some presence there. Yeah. I felt alone growing up when? I don't find loneliness in my childhood. Mm-hmm. I find loneliness in my 20s when I was leaving religion. Mm. Yeah. Share a little bit about that. So I felt alone, or the last time I felt alone, or the first time I felt alone was? Trying to recreate my identity. Yeah. 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 And that was scary for me because? Because I was hiding from everyone. Yeah. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. What I experienced during that time was... A lot of rage and resentment. Mm. Yeah, a lot of rage and resentment. And then loneliness and just like trying to find my new self. Yeah. Let's take one last break. We'll be right back. You like to watch new stuff, right? Well, go to Hulu and see what's new, because Hulu has new stuff all the time. Like Vanderpump Villa, the new docudrama starring Lisa Vanderpump, where first-class luxury meets world-class drama. A new season of The Kardashians starring The Kardashians, of course. And Grand Cayman, Secrets in Paradise, the sizzling new reality show set in the tropical Caribbean. It's all new and it's streaming now on Hulu. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Issa as host Issa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. What's coming up for you right now? Um, Gratitude that I found my partner. And gratitude that I was able to build a different relationship with my family outside of that. Mm -hmm. Because that information was really hard for some of the people in my family. Yeah. And in our religion, it's like... You're, we're not a unit anymore kind of mentality. And so it was yeah. recreating what our family would look like. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there's a lot of gratitude for finding your partner and be, be, being able to create something. And then a lot of fear of the possibility of what you have created falling apart. Mm-hmm of having to go through something similar. Again, yeah. Yeah, again. If I don't control this. Yeah. Then that rage and resentment will just keep showing up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. What are you noticing? It's just settling in. What do you think it means for you? Because I think when you think about control, you know, you've been able to meet it with humor. And like I said, you know, of course that can be a a useful tool for us sometimes. But I think to really look at it, it's an act of protection. Yes. Right? Right? It's not just like, oh, you're this controlling person. Ha, ha, ha. Like, oh, your mom, is she just so controlled? It's like, no, you're protecting something. You know, you're going to battle. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So when you think about how to put something down that is self-protective, right? Where you're like, well, how do you stop being controlling? Okay, well, let's reframe that. How do I put something down that I have convinced myself is protecting me from something? Mm-hmm. Can you give me the answer? <laughs> <laughs> I cannot give you the answer. Yeah, that is the big question. How do I put my control down? Mm-hmm. And this has shown up so much with like my younger sibling mm-hmm. in my profession. It kind of works because I control a big space in a lot of yeah. people. Um, that can be so useful. Yeah. It absolutely can. And I don't know that it necessarily means that you have to put everything down in all places, right? I think there are places 
where influence makes a lot of sense and is purposeful and useful and allows a system to operate well. But I think here is where we're seeing that it's not actually going to create the thing that you hope for. Mm -hmm. What would you want your partner to understand about control now? I mean, quickly would be that it leads to this feeling of alone, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And do you think he knows that? No. Okay. I don't I mean I didn't know that. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> I think this need for control was like to, you know, deepen our relationship and our connection yeah. and to like be on board of our philosophy of how mm. we're going to parent our child. Like there were all these other things like you're saying it's all and I think the child became a deflection. Yeah. Very easily and quickly and especially with all this new information. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah, it's like a shoe-in. Yeah, it like, was like, of course, this is what we're going to do. Right? We're going to protect this child right. versus I need to let go of my big feelings that I've not been able to figure out what, what and why. Mm. Um, but, yeah, I think if I can explain to him, like, I have been needing this control and these boundaries because I have such big feelings, which I haven't been able to fully articulate to him because I don't want to hurt his feelings. You know, I have to be very, not super eggshells, but I am very careful with my words when I talk about my feelings Mm -hmm. about his dad. I have a friend who is like very open about her in-laws and I'm like, Mm -hmm. I am so jealous that you can be so clear about your feelings to your partner and it's been like that for years and like with that they came with boundaries of like you go with the children first and I will meet you the Mm -hmm. last three days so it limits her her time with them and I was like I would love to get there Mm -hmm. also I think it would hurt my husband's feelings so much Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. there is something about you not needing to hide any part. And that's not an invitation to be condescending, derogatory, uh, malicious, uh, disrespectful. I think we can find somewhere where there is a self-expression that feels really revealed without Mm -hmm. needing to annihilate others. And I don't know if that feels possible for you, you know, when you think about if you were to be able to actually express how you really feel, yes. you know, could you stay kind of within that space of full expression without needing to, you know, rip be, a yes. person down? Okay. Well, this is interesting because coming from like people pleasing, yeah. that joyful, perfect appearance, Um, I did work with my first therapist where I was like, we're going for the winter break and I just wish I had like two days to myself where I could come home and get a haircut and get a Mm mani-pedi before I had to go back to work. And she was like, you can. I was like, no, then I would have to change my flight. I would have to tell my husband it would look bad. They would think I was leaving them early. You know, there were so many sessions around this. Yeah, And she worked with me and I did it. I paid the 150 to change my flight Uh and to tell my then boyfriend, like, I'm just going to go home and I'm going to get my hair done. I'm going to get it cut and I'm going to get my nails done. And I'm just going to have a day of rest before I go back to work. And he accepted it. And I was like, okay. Mm -hmm. And then he actually came with me, like the next flight behind me. And I was like, okay, I I know I can do this. Mm -hmm. And I didn't do it in a derogatory, mean way where I'm like, you're forcing me to be here or whatnot. It was a lot of work though. Mm -hmm. And this feels like a lot of other work where I'm like, what are my boundaries for myself? That doesn't feel like you have to choose me or you have to choose them, but I have to do this for myself. Regardless right is that you your work is about allowing yourself to be expressed and for you not to do the managing of 
his emotional experience of that. You know, what you're pointing out that he does, you do a bit of with him. Yes. Right? And I, I, I love what you just said about that example of getting your hair cut and changing the flight. The fear that you had of, oh, what's going to happen? And it opened up possibility and wonder. You've been sitting here telling me that you have a pretty clear idea how your partner is going to respond. And you might be right. There's history. You have data points. There's a lot of exchanges that might suggest something for you. Mm -hmm. And it's very important to hold possibility and wonder, curiosity. You know, what you haven't done before is be fully revealed You've always been semi-contained. Semi-contained. And so what your data point is, is that when I am semi-contained, this is what it might look like. But you don't actually have a data point for when I am fully revealed. You know what? I also wonder, because we've been, me and my husband have been together quite a while now, I don't think he's ever been fully revealed. And so I don't know what his full reaction would be. Mm -hmm. And that's a big piece of it, too, where there have been times in our relationship where I've said, I want you to rage out at me, like swear more, get mad, have Mm -hmm. like a range of emotions. You don't have to be you know, happy Ted Lasso, Mm -hmm. you know, this like cheerful, (laughs) jokey, positive guy all the time. Like you can rage out. And when he does it, like I, he has not raged out ever, but when he can say something kind of sharp or Mm -hmm. critical, I'll be like, and then I'm grateful after Mm -hmm. where I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so glad he's able to share that with me. Yeah, you're like, give me a little something. Yes. Right? And and I don't know that I've ever received clear, real feelings from him either yeah. in response to my feelings. Mm-hmm. When it's embodied, you know, I think the rage um, release, you know, some, sometimes that shifts to aggression, right? When it moves up into our heads. It's a little bit uh, scary at times. It can be. But when anger stays heart-centered, right? When it's really embodied, that's what you're talking about. Where you're like, oh yeah, give it to me. Like, tell me what you feel. Tell me what you mean. Where are those boundaries, right? Like there's something very connective about that as long as it stays here, right? And that's, I think the invitation for you, right? Is to move towards, to practice moving towards being fully revealed, to stop trying to, get to the outcome through the side door, right? Through, okay, well, if I I say that this is my boundary and then that's the way that we're going to get you to disconnect from that, put that down, right? What to be able to reveal and share, hey, we know, ha ha, that sometimes I try to be controlling, but like really what is here is me trying to protect something. Right, that I'm really scared actually of being alone, that I am really scared of, right? And like sharing those things. He has to choose for himself ultimately. Choice has to be each person's. Mm-hmm. And that's scary. That's hard because sometimes people choose something that we don't know how to integrate for ourselves, right? If he chose to have a different type of relationship with his family than the one that you want to have, okay, how do we cross that bridge then, Mm -hmm. right? That can feel confronting and challenging, but ultimately everyone needs to have their own choice. They must. Mm -hmm. You can't choose for him. He can't choose for you. Yeah. And you've had a lot of choosing for you in your history. This is what we believe. This is how we present. This is what we do. This is how we act. This is how we behave, right? A lot of absence of choice for you. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And so you are entitled to choose for you. And right now you're entitled to choose for your baby. Yes. Right? Um, And so is he. Right. So is he. 
You can't choose for him. But what you can do is truly express yourself from a very vulnerable place, to not hide, to reveal, to do that within a set of parameters that is okay when we are speaking to other people, right? When I, and when I say that, I mean, right, you're not going to be condescending, you're not going to be derogatory, you're not going to annihilate someone else, but you are going to be revealed. Mm-hmm. And whether he meets you there or not, I don't know. I wish I could sit here and tell you, you know, follow this equation and here's what you'll get. But you have to sit in possibility. You have to sit in wonder. You have to sit in curiosity and tell there's a deep love and respect there. You guys have been through a lot. There's a lot there, a lot of history there. And I hope that this is a chapter that invites in a new layer of self into the mix for the two of you. And I think maybe one of my final thoughts here is that for a long time, you held the belief that being connected to self will mean that you do lose something. Does that land? If you're actually connected to your true self, religion, family is not going to be able to withstand that. Mm. Yeah. And then you went through a major transition where you did maybe lose some folks or um, receive criticism or shame or fill in the blank. Mm -hmm. And so stepping towards connection with self, yourself, is it easier for you to connect to others? Yes. (laughs) Right? You're very good at it. But your quest is in connecting with self, all the while knowing that sometimes being so connected to self does mean that we lose people, that things change. It's scary. Mm -hmm. But you have another go at it here. I'm hopeful that your partner is able to hold that with you. But I think that you are traversing another bridge that says to be fully connected to self requires me to risk something. You did it before, and I'm sure there was a liberation that happened, and also grief and loss as -hmm. a part of the process. Mm -hmm. And I think that there is a similar quest here, too, right, of stepping into something, again, different, but again, right, of being deeply connected to self, which requires you to risk something. And so it's a brave step. It's a courageous step. I acknowledge you for even considering it and being here and just so grateful to have your openness and your curiosity here. Thank you. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. To be your authentic self risks something. We shapeshift and adapt in an attempt to fit in, keep the peace, and maintain relationships. How does this conversation land for you? What did you experience listening to her move through the complexity of these transitions? What is your relationship with control? And might you consider what fear gets revealed when you consider releasing it? If I can leave you with one thing today, I'd encourage you to notice where in your life you try to control something and how that act of control keeps you from connecting to something important within you. I hope what you heard today was helpful. If you like this show, tell your friends and loved ones to listen. It would also mean so much to me if you could rate and review This Keeps Happening on Apple Podcasts. This Keeps Happening is hosted by me, Vienna Farron, with production support from Manolo Morales and Anita Flores. Special thanks to Emma Morgenstern and Nora Ritchie for editorial support. Our engineers are Jared O'Connell and Brendan Burns. Our theme music is by Casey Holford. 
Our managing producer is Tamika Weatherspoon. Our executive producers are Josephine Martirana from Stitcher Studios, Keith O'Connell, and Will Rogers from Soundbite Entertainment. Stitcher. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Meet the next generation of podcast stars with SiriusXM's Listen Next program, presented by State Farm. As part of their mission to help voices be heard, State Farm teamed up with SiriusXM to uplift diverse and emerging creators. Tune in to Stars and Stars with Issa as host Issa Nakazawa dives into birth charts of her celeb guests. This is just the start of a new wave of podcasting. Visit statefarm.com to find out how we can help prepare for your future. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there.